Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have John Wick Chapter 4, starring Keanu Reeves, Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, Ian McShane, and Shamir Anderson. Written by Shay Hatton and Michael Finch, and dire- directed by Chad Stileski. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to return to one of our old favorite franchises, a, a trilogy of films that we did way back in 2019. And it took a while for this film to come out. Uh, I don't think delayed because of COVID or anything. It was just, you know, in development for for quite a while. But here we are, the new release. It's a couple weeks old, John Wick Chapter 4 with Mr. Keanu Reeves. We love talking about this guy. This has to be, oh man, is he the most talked about actor on this podcast? Three Wick Films, A Speed, A Point Break. This is number six. Might be. And I'm going to pitch you a number seven here in the in maybe a, a short three weeks. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we love talking about this guy. I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, just, you know, how good natured he is. But we get to talk about this character and this series of films. I'm looking forward to today's episode. So am I. Excellent. We're having some more of the, the winning bottle here, the McFarland's Reserve 13-year mm-hmm. that uh, Kevin uh, Savian... Uh, barrel that this thing's been made in really adds i don't want to say an overly sweet uh drink to this but it does help kind of pepper down the intensity of a 13 year uh uh, aging process Mm -hmm. but man it's a very drinkable smooth smooth barrel yeah we you got to be really really careful with those i haven't even looked at the proof did you look at the proof Mm -mm. um 90 i think yeah so not not uh, that's the sweet spot. There. Prohibition one fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> Forster one fifteen. That's a bit much. Yeah, but yeah, barrel finish, straight bourbon. Yeah, you this, know what I really get in that. I really get a little smoke, mm-hmm. a little pepper, mm-hmm. and a real noticeable hint of cherry. Yeah, cherry's the one you that, get that too. That I get. Yeah, almost kind of like a maraschino cherry. That's kind of like been kind of soaking in a, Man, a, a Manhattan or an old fashioned for mm-hmm. a little while. That's that's what I'm tasting right there. That's um, I don't want to say controversial fruit, but a fruit that I find people either love or hate. Where are you on that spectrum? I love them. I uh, do too. One of my neighbors years ago had like a cherry tree in his backyard and would let me and my family come and come and pick like before the birds come and devour all of them and like a nice sweet like cherry from the vine. Like you can't yeah. you can't beat it. It's really good. I'm with you. Yeah, love them. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into our flight question. Did you love the score in this film? I, I like it. I like, you know, Brian Tyler does kind of like a more traditional orchestration. And then he kind of like uh, headhunts all these other artists. And so they bring kind of like this techno uh, synth wave. You know, I love, you know, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At that particular, I, I believe that's used in the rave yeah. fighting scene, which, you know, four films in now, John Wick has some tropes about him, like, you're guaranteed at least a rave scene in one of these movies. Yeah, for sure. A rave beatdown, by the way. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and hit us with the flight question this week. We'll get to this as the film uh, ends, but um, 
want to talk about John Wick 5. Mm-hmm. So it's a two-parter and you'll take care of the nightcap. But the flight is, I don't know, maybe without giving too much away or maybe it doesn't matter because we're going to give the whole film away over the next 90 minutes anyway. Yeah. Pitch me your idea for JW5. Go any way you want. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have some thoughts once we do get to the ending and kind of talk about, you know, where where he ends up. Uh, I don't know if I want to go forward anymore. Mm. Uh, there, yeah, the, no, I see that. But uh, spe- specifically watching this film, we just keep on turning like rocks and weird things of just like glimpses into the past. And I really want to know. I know there's a story out there and I know, I don't know if it'll involve Keanu. It, it might have to with some de-aging effects and whatever, but hey, I'm game. Mm-hmm. I want to see how he got involved in this whole world to begin with. Like, what did his training look like? That whole ballerina school with Angelica Houston. Yep. Like, what was it that set him on this path of just violence and ferocity and skill? Like, what does John Wick's first mission look like? Like, what's the... Giardani. Yeah, what's the first time he he meets Winston? And then think back to... Because I remember, I I think I told you I burned all three films before going to see this one. And... Mm -hmm. The first film, he's got all these partnerships. Willem Dafoe's there. Like, that's a story of him. John Leguizamo, like, that's a thing. Like, mm-hmm. these guys know each other. They know the legend. So I want the story to be like, this is the legend of John Wick. This is the Baba Yaga story of, this is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's it, it's got to stem from something, I think, really interesting. An untapped thing of tragedy that, you know, is on the same level of him losing his wife and his dog and his car. So you want a prequel? I do, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the prequel guy, but I think there's a lot of story there and, you know, kind of, you know, the the, the shortcomings of, of the John Wick character in, 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 in this film is, you know, me just trying to want, I want to know more about the guy. And, you know, they really hold that close to the chest in this mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. But if they want to go there, I think there's an interesting story to be told. Kind of like, uh, it would be a better version of what Black Widow should have been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Getting trained in the red room and all of that. Like, what is the training of John Wick like? I mean, he got, he's got that crazy back tat. Like, where does he get that? <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I watched three before I went and did four, mm-hmm. but I haven't watched one and two, and it's been six months or more. What do you think the length of time from the beginning of four and the death of his wife is? How long into four, or into one, sorry, into one? Are we after his wife has passed? I think we're a year, a, two years. I think we're a couple of years, and I think there's a okay. significant gap between three and four because he, yeah, he flew off that building at the end of three. So I think there was some decent recovery that needed to be spent on just getting back to your normal self. Sure, at least two years. I'll I'll say that. There's a story there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. And we are kind of getting in the vein. You know, I did you know mention a couple of weeks back that. They are already spinning this thing off, and I think in a very interesting way in a film called Ballerina, so it's going to be all tied to that weird scene in Verabellum, right? Mm-hmm. With Ana de Armas, so, you know, sign me up. I'll watch anything she's in, right? You love her. Huge, yeah. huge fan. So they're they're opening up different caverns to this universe that, that they built, uh, but there's a big chunk missing from John Wick's backstory. Sure. Yeah. I love that. I'd see that well. Anything you'd pitch yeah, on this, I'd sign we're up. We're watching any of these. <laughs> They're biased, yeah. so not the most. What about you? Where are you going? I'm going right in line with things in time, and I'm picking up five. Uh, 
I guess we'll give it away now for people that um, maybe were waiting for the story to unfold in the podcast. Spoiler alert here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's in quotes dead at the end of this film, but there's no way he's dead. Mm -hmm. And he had said as much. He said that he and Strahowski or Strauski were going to sit down with a drink in the next couple months and put down some ideas on a bar napkin. If they could come up with something, he's down to do five. And if not, then he's good with it is now. And the franchise is in a place where either way I think is possibility. I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do more, I'm sure they can figure it out. If this is truly the end, kind of a great ending. It's great ending. Yeah. The thing we haven't explored is in this film, no, no new tokens or no new trinkets have been introduced, Mm -hmm. but a lot more hints and another look into the high table. That's with Clancy Brown's involvement <laughs> as not the adjudicator. Cause that was three, but whatever liaison he is from the high table to make sure that things go the way they're supposed to go per the rules of the high table. Here's what I want in five, Jesse. I want us to open on the high table, taking some vote of significance about John wick after four. Okay. And the vote is, do we let this guy live or are we going to do him in? And I want this to be very star chambery like mm, okay. in a way where each one of the members of the table and 12 is, I think what they've said mm-hmm. presents their best case and stay with it. Stay with it for, for all 12. Let's hear all 12 versions of why this person should, cause that's how we're going to meet the high table. Mm-hmm. Let's have him win seven, five. So he's out He's going to receive whatever life he is outside of this assassin's world, and he gets to go be John Wick, just the guy selling Bibles door to door, whatever yeah. he's going to yeah. sell. Yeah, Bibles, right? Yeah. yeah, Russian Bibles. Cut to behind the scenes, and we start to see one of the attendees on the high table start to shape maybe a couple of the two that might be mm-hmm. a little bit wishy washy. So there's a little 12 angry men then, yeah. For a revote. Yeah. And they get it to 8-4. Revote 8-4. And then it is one of the remaining four sending a letter to John Wick saying, you were out, now you're back in. Mm. This is the one you need to go after. And it's his pursuit of the hard five to begin with. Yeah. The Lee Lee J. Cobb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the Lee J. Cobb group. (laughs) Yeah. Moving through those, one, two, three, four, five. And then the penultimate showdown against whoever that master puppeter was that shaped the other flip-floppers. Yeah. That's what I want. It's pretty interesting. It'd be almost kind of a little political thrillery, uh, a little... uh A little legal, kind of like a legal drama, on top of it being still a John Wick film. I want to see the high table in all of their walks of life because when they're not operating as the high table, what do they do by day? Yeah. I love that in this universe, there's a call center of these heavily tattooed women, no matter what city they're in, fielding these calls, handling the communication of these contracts. If that is how they communicate in what looks like a 1950s styled phone call center, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do these people have jobs as day traders or school teachers or guidance counselors? And that yeah, yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Because then what it gives you, and one of the things that's really great, and I think John Wick is where he gets to fight, despite all the raves that we see him in. <laughs> he fights in a lot of other great places too. Yeah, he does. Great locales. What does it look like after hours at the high school if he's killing the guidance counselor who's yeah. <laughs> high, high table member seven? Sure, yeah. 
the or the reveal of that. Yeah. What does their normalcy look like? Oh, man. If it if they have any normalcy, I kind of wonder if these guys just live in a different reality compared to me and you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they've teased out the high table a lot yeah. in this series. Yeah. So let's get to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then once the high table is finished or um, reconstructed, mm-hmm. John Wick style, what then? Yeah. Who's at the head of that high table? Yeah. Maybe who's, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Who's playing the guy? Yeah. Who's that? And we'll, we'll talk about who's playing my guy too. Let's go see both those films, man. I think so. Yeah. I think there's room to play within this universe. And, you know, at some, John Wick might not even have to be involved either. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll have to see how. I think that they're going to fast track. I think that's coming out next summer, uh, summer 2014 ballerina. So we'll, we'll get to see And that's that. a series? Movie. Oh, it's his movie. Yeah. So we'll get that. Really Angelica cool. Houston on board? I think so. Have they're they're going to tie into whatever the hell is going on at that place. <laughs> so great. Yeah, there's so many different ways they can go about it. But let's talk about the film at hand, John Wick Chapter 4. This is a long one. Let's see how long the episode goes. Mm. Let's get to our review breakdown of John Wick Chapter 4. Saying goodbyes? Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. And why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules, new management. We've known each other since we were Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. Okay, where we last left John Wick at the end of chapter three, like I mentioned, he flew threw himself off a building. I forgot he had lost part of his finger too in part of the deal with the adjudicator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ends up with the pigeon man Bowery King Lawrence Fishburne. He's kind of hiding him, you know, let him like rest, recuperate. And then what I think, you know, maybe half a year, a year goes by of just trying to get your body right, uh, get it back into shape. And you know, we start... Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know about, about your theater. Uh, like, I feel like the sound was like extra cranked up in mine. Cause when he's punching this thing, oh my God, my, I thought my eardrums were about to burst, but I loved it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like punching this like Wing Chun dummy thing, like trying to get his fist strong, almost kind of like, uh, the bride. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, Lawrence Fishburne pumping him up in, in, in the background here. You're like, you ready to go forward? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> That's With a all, suit and toe. That's all he says, right? It's just, I, I really like it. And then like, where are we going? I have no idea, but like the film's just ready ready to roll, right? Yep. We end up in the middle of the desert, Morocco possibly. Uh, and he goes up to this, you know, this tent, Shantate, but it's kind of nice. And this is the elder. So help help me try and figure this out. This guy sits above the high table. Is he like a Uber advisor? Is he the watcher? Like, yeah, the watcher is a good way to put it. Yeah. And the reins have been passed from three to four. So he mentions, I'm I'm. That was my predecessor that you spoke to in the past in that oasis when he almost died in the desert. Yeah. 
I'm now taking over for him. This is an interesting play by John Wick because he's back in at this point. He's yeah. been recommunicated. The uh, Continental has been reconsecrated. Yeah. He's kind of good. Mm-hmm. If he just lays low, right? If he just leaves it as is, but John Wick isn't going to do that, and we yeah. wouldn't have a movie otherwise. Yeah. So he shows up with one singular purpose, and that's to do in... Everybody? That guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I here's the question, and this probably would be answered with the second watch and a very careful paying attention to the dialogue, which mm. I think sometimes it's hard to do in the first viewing because you're just trying to take in the story, yeah. especially for what we do. Mm-hmm. The, the analysis, I think, sometimes comes in later viewings. Yeah. Does that conversation with that fellow, the Oasis Guardian, speak to, I'm not going to let you do this to me or anyone else again, or does it speak to... I'm so furious at you. Mm-hmm. This is happening anyway. I kind of lean to the second side because that's just been his sort of theme the whole way. It's yeah. his revenge. Yeah. Winston even acknowledges that later in the film. Mm-hmm. Says, you know, I wish I could be like you, vengeful. But it almost really is kind of the inciting incident, is it not? Yeah. Late in the film. This is 2.40, and this is probably... 2.49. Yeah. It's probably 35 to 40 minutes in when this happens. Yeah. Uh, I kind of took it, you know, I, I saw him go and just do this prominent figure of the high table in wherever he sits. And I was like, okay, the only way out for John Wick is in. Mm-hmm. He's just going to run through all of these guys. He's just going to end the high table in order to get freedom. I mean, like, that's one way to take care of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it seems like a bold move, but, but, you know, you wouldn't be able to go back and live in domesticated life with your dog. They're going to come after you after all the stuff you've done through three and three in the tenth film already. Yeah. And they're going to make you pay. Uh, so, yeah, he is a little bit on the run in this one, hiding, trying to kind of find a way in. And, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, they're, they're they, no one wants to help him. No one wants to, to, to hide. And he does have a little ally here and there. But I, I kind of like where we got Wick. Here at the beginning of this. Hey, you doing that Oasis Guardian guy. And then the question is, where next? Yeah. The high table is going to know that John did it mm-hmm. because very few people are able to locate this fellow. John seems to be able to relatively easy. So it had to be an inside job per this assassin's world. The Marquis de Grommel is not going to do it. Winston's not going to do it. Uh, the Bowery King is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We don't even really know about Mr. Nobody yet. You could make the case for him, but we don't really know about Mr. Nobody yet. Mm-hmm. So who could it be? It's got to be Wick. Yeah. So then you get this question, Jesse, and that's sort of what goes with John Wick. And if you're going to be his ally, yeah. what does that mean for you? Because most of the time it means death. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Or yeah, you're going to pay the piper too. <laughs> is the only one of his friends, I guess that's well, Winston's still around. Uh, Halle Berry's still around. Yeah. So I guess there is some evidence that maybe you can sidle up to friendship with this guy and survive, but, no, but every, it's it's tenuous. Everyone's kind of an ally, but everyone's kind of like, yeah, just like I still maybe kind of like, you know, like kind of don't like you either, right? I mean, everyone kind of has their like issues with just like, hey, John, long time. like well, And what? 25 million reasons why they might want to do him in too. Oh man, we're up to like almost 40 million by the end of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we cut to the Continental. Yeah, you're right. It's been rebuilt after all the damage that went down at that place in the last film. And, uh, you know, they get a package in the mail in the form of Clancy Brown. And who Clancy Brown, I, who I didn't even know was in this film, mm-hmm. like the Wicked Witch of the West, throws down this hourglass at his table and mm-hmm. it says, you have an hour to relinquish your duties and whatnot. And then this place is, we're, we're going we're gonna to blow it up. <laughs> 
So the deal that Winston has made with the adjudicator in three, I guess does not hold any water for the simple fact that John Wick is still around and has pissed off the high table because if John Wick was killed the way Winston and the adjudicator promised he was and then hit it, then the Oasis Guardian, I don't know what that guy's called, Mm -hmm. would still be alive. The elder is what they call him. The elder would still be alive. Mm -hmm. He's not. So because that isn't, that means that Winston... You didn't keep your word. God only knows what they've done to the adjudicator. Mm -hmm. And we're destroying this place. We're raising it to the ground. An hour. And I love that that hourglass, red sand, (laughs) as big as you can possibly get, Mm -hmm. every grain going through the glass is a reminder. Like your moments are limited. Your time's up. And so, yeah, they go visit Winston and Sharon, go and visit... uh, the Marquis de Grommage. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård, who's going to kind of be our villain. Pennywise. Of the, the film. He's pretty good in this. And you know what I realized? I'm going to have to look it up, dude. This guy's tall. Like, dude, he mm-hmm. towers over. You know, Donnie Yen is probably like 5'5". Five, five. Yeah. But he's, you know, he towers over Clancy Brown. I think he's like 6'4". Skarsgård's our family. Alexander's tall, too. Yeah. So, yeah, tall family. To that, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he tells them, you know, we're, we're taking away... Uh, uh, your your duties, your resources. Um, <laughs> if you go kill, you know, Wick, which you know Winston's not going to do that. He's unfaithfully, you know, faithfully loyal to uh, to John Wick, and so takes his duties away. They blow up his hotel, or yeah, the the Continental, and then they shoot Sharon right here in in this room here. Pretty crazy, and well, to him, yeah, to Lance Rick too, because he's also he recently passed very unexpectedly, so. I kind of thought, you know, he might be, you know, an integral part into this film, but his death is going to serve an interesting purpose. And I'm curious to ask you a little bit later, not not yet, but in in a little bit, just kind of John Wick's response to, to this. So okay. we're setting the stage. Okay, okay, we're blowing up the Continental. We're, we're, we're holding uh, Winston uh, accountable and responsible for Wick's actions. Um, but we need to get Wick off the playing table, right? So who are we going to get to to do that? Uh, well, we get <clears throat> Kane. Is his name? His name is Kane. His name is Kane. Uh, played by Donnie Yen, which, you know, this playing another blind guy? He's playing just from Rogue One. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting, you know, that they pepper an interesting, quick little just, you know, pathos into this character where, you know, he's watching his daughter play violin from afar, don't quite know if he's able to have a relationship with her based on how dangerous this line of work is, but wants to still be involved, wants to relinquish in that art. Um, but once he's summoned, you know, they hold, you know, if you don't help us, she's going to pay the price. Right. So, of course, yeah, of course I'll play. What's a choice there? When you see this guy, Matt, and, you know, he's got his little, he's got his white, his white cane and he's got the glasses on, and I kind of thought, is this guy blind or not? And then I think he takes the glass off, and he, you know, he's got, you know, his eyes are are are, are damaged, scars and opaque. Yeah, we got a blind guy that's going to go and take John Wick, and you know, for this franchise, I'm like, I'm like, may as well. And you know what? He might be a formidable foe, and he fights in such an interesting and unique mm-hmm. way based on sound. Like he's like a daredevil, but without the superpowers, right? Yeah, you just took it out of my mind. Yeah, <laughs> literally, ahead. he's daredevil. Yeah. Uh. Initially, you'd think these guys in this world are all expert fighters. So if you're bringing someone into the fold that does not have vision, (laughs) that seems to be a huge disadvantage. But they really daredevil it out. And he's able to read the changing ears. And they give him a couple little devices here that serve as alarms to let him know 
when maybe someone's closing the distance on him. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's really good at what he does. Yeah. And in a way, kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about the guy that you can't see on. Mm-hmm. You can't ever sneak up on him. No. So that removes the element of surprise, which is a big part of this film. John Wick hides behind corners a lot and blasts people as they come around unknowing often. Yeah. <laughs> That can't happen now because you can't sneak up on the guy and they show you right away. Mm-hmm. You can't sneak up on the man that can't see. Yeah, He's better at operating off the other five senses that remain than you are with all six of them. So you have one choice and that's basically play statue. Yeah. And that first showdown between Kane and Wick is similar to, I think it's the third, no, it's the fourth flight in Parabellum. And that, that, um, Asian display trophy room yeah. is kind of similar to that art gallery, the way Parabellum ends yeah. with the glass mm-hmm. and the mazes and this and that. I'm fine with that. I know that you didn't totally love that. I don't, you didn't hate it, but you didn't love it as much as I did. I loved that. I love that part in um, game of death. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, obviously Bruce Lee. Yeah. You're talking about like ascending and yeah. the challenge. It keeps getting more very more. video game, like mini yeah. boss to mini boss to big boss, but he's fighting for whatever Chow Yun Fat was in in three, yeah. Oh my God, Kane's got him beaten spades, does he not? Yeah. Oh yeah. Phew. And like you said, his style is so cool. He has this cane mm-hmm. that serves as a walking stick, but also mm-hmm. this deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. He is so precise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good word. Like a surgeon's scalpel, being able to use that in the territory that's around, but know how much space he has to move in. I would be surprised if he can put that steel part in the ground and read the vibrations of how quick you're walking. Mm-hmm. When, to John Wick's credit, all four of them. Yeah. We get to what's the crowning achievement. And for the beauty of musicals that you and I often spend hours talking about how much we love musicals and the <laughs> fine dance sequences, the choreography, that's yeah. me being facetious or sarcastic. Mm-hmm. You can't deny how many hours mm-hmm. they put into the choreography, choreography. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to accent the wrong syllable the choreography that we see John wick and all the rest of the crew fight in their own unique ways. I think this film more than any of the other three is on Mm -hmm. full display here in terms of its action sequences and just the amount of time it probably took to plot out and stage everything. Holy crap. But we'll talk about that just in just a second. Um, this franchise is also doing so. Okay, so we got you know Wicks on the run. We're gonna we gotta kill him. We're we're gonna kill him this time. So help me God, twenty six million dollars, everybody. Kane's <laughs> been brought in for one purpose: doing Wick. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if he can't do it, I'll have someone else do it out there. The contract is still live. Yeah. Uh, what I appreciate this franchise doing, and another franchise that I wish would you know expand and show us different avenues of what the wizarding world looks like in Asia Mm. or India, Africa. But John Wick's doing that. We're going to Osaka and we get to see Osaka's version of the continental, right? Yeah. Yeah. And let me get the guy's name here. Poor guy's just trying to find a place where he can lay low for a little bit. Yeah. Shimazu Koji. uh, You will recognize this guy from, he plays this role in every film that needs this role. He's been in, yeah, he's been in a lot of, a lot of these films. You might've been in the new uh, Mortal Kombat film. Yeah. If I'm remembering right. He was. But. uh, He's the dad, isn't he? Yeah. And, and you know, he's real warm and welcoming with Wick. So there's a history there as well. Again, again, back to my prequel idea. Like 
these guys know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's willing to not act so brash and be like, you need to get out of here instantly. Like, no, we'll like hang out here. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, take the time. But it's his daughter, Akira, that's like, get this man out of here. Like, you're bringing death upon us, which she's absolutely right, right? Uh, I just love seeing it. I just love seeing just how, you know, different he's got sumo like bodyguards in the kitchen like it's just archers it's so different than what winston's got rolling out at the continental right so different yeah and that's what i really appreciate just you know we're we're globe trekking we're doing little james bond right now right i mean like yeah the last film or the the john wick one and i think it's still possibly my favorite of the franchise just because of how simple and contained it is but it's mainly like new york new jersey where we're kind of floating around in that film Mm -hmm. The next one, we were going to Europe, and the second one, we're going to Morocco, but mainly staying in New York. This one, we're going to Osaka. We're going to Germany. We're Paris. going to Paris. We're going to New York. Like we're This is a globe-trekking Wick film. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Do you, do you like we're expanding the, the different corners? And I, I like that each one of these places can look different and unique. The world building is exquisite in this franchise. Yeah, your globe-trekking is a perfect way to put it. If we do that in two, I'm not sure that I'm quite ready to buy it yet yeah if you roll it out in four and we don't need the red line of travel and we just sort of take for granted like he's just there now fine let it be that way because who wants to really watch john wick on a plane and let's see a fight Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things i've appreciated about this is what you just said the world building from the tokens to the rules to the vast amount of friends that he seems to have that even at that moment where it is I'm a thrust away from putting this blade through your throat. But I want to tell you how much I appreciate you before I do it first, because we've been friends a long time. And if we weren't friends, I've heard about the Baba Yaga and I've admired you since I was knee high to a grasshopper. The world building is so vast that we're coming to realize by the time four is halfway through four continental associated is not just an one-off in New York. It's this world of nefaria that pervades every nook and cranny and the you and me's of the world that are cutting a podcast on a Saturday afternoon or yeah, going to yeah. going to Smith's or Safeway or yeah, Five and Dime. This ain't our, this is a different world. Man. I love that. Yeah. Like the guy that you're in, again, it goes back to what I said earlier too at the high table. Is the guy that's standing behind you in line? Yeah. That just looks like some dork with like, you know, sure. Cargo shorts and a ill fitting, you know, polo. Mm-hmm. Is that guy the the dude that chooses who lives and dies with the snap of fingers? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And if the continental in Osaka is as familiar but as different as the one in New York, mm-hmm. then what does the one in Berlin look like? Yeah. What you know the one I really want to see? Yeah. I want to see what the one in Moscow looks like. Yeah, yeah my mind is just tripping on just, the vast possibilities that we've introduced slowly yeah but concisely and accurately we did go to the one in oh, into wherever that outdoor rave was because him in common they, they fight into it right yeah and so there's no fighting on the ground yeah. so we do get to see another one so we've, we've seen a couple mm-hmm. but it's wild i love it and can we call the, these films can we call them maybe a little bit neo-noir because I love how wet they are. I love how neon lit mm-hmm. they are. I mean, there's always a red or a blue or a green neon something in the background. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's a little, a few steps Palmetto. away, a little blade runner, a little fight club, yes. a little matrix. Yeah. 
I like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really on board with, with, with that part of it. But here comes uh, Kane and hang on, I got to get these guys right. Uh, the the DeGromont's AIDS, uh, the, the Cheaty, <laughs> mm. I think is what it's called. You know, like, it's, it's dense. Gray suited baddies. These gray suited goatee that I'm convinced Wick killed the same guy at least 15 times. It looked like it. You're right. <laughs> the same looking guy. Agent Smith? A little bit. Little Agent Smithy uh, with, the, you know, the, the, the uniformed garb. But he says, we're deconsecrating this thing because we know you're hiding him. Give him up and we'll leave. And I just, I love the undying loyalty of all these guides. To Koji, who just, he knows what's coming. He knows he's going to have to fight his way through all of this mess. Isn't willing to just give up Wick willy-nilly. And he's like, oh, no, we'll we'll take you on just fine. And here come the, and here we go. Here, we're going to get going here. We ain't going to stop for a while. But the archers come out, and we're fisticuffs. And, man, it is brutal, intense stuff. And then when Wick gets involved here, it's like this guy hasn't lost a beat, man. Dude, headshots galore. And it's the first time, I think, more than any of the other films in the franchise that this is a video game come to life. Quite literally, later in the film, we do a, a top view one shot over the roof as he's just shotgunning guys in an abandoned house. Dude, that, and if that's not like Metal Gear Solid, you oh, know, yeah. I don't know what is. Oh, man, that, that bit. I can't wait to talk about that. And then his ascension to the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, it's very video game-like and how you go about the rooms just kind of like you got to get rid of all of them until you can progress to the next level. And when we get into this pseudo art gallery with armor and glass and paintings and more neon, I've yeah. always associated the nunchuck with... Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. And it's a fairly comical weapon to me in that, but it's a brutal force to be reckoned with. And I don't think a human can take more than two or three whacks without getting killed. Oh, it hurt. And Wick arms himself with this nunchuck and he's taking on these guys. And oh man, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is so cool. This is one of the best moments of the film of the entire franchise. And some of these guys have, I guess, learned and some of them are decked out in like an iron mask. And they're taking gunshots to the head, but you're not telling me you take a gunshot in an iron mask, that ain't going to hurt, right? Right. <laughs> so he's got to think of different ways to dispatch him. He's got to kind of lift the mask up and slit a throat and a headshot underneath the mask. Like, he's got to be a little more uh, strategic with how he's going about doing these guys in. And it's so much fun to watch. One of the things I've always appreciated about Bourne mm-hmm. was how anything can be a weapon from a newspaper to a paperclip. Yeah. They're they're great about that. Wick does that as well, but in a little different way. What they're able to do in Wick is give him an antique gun store, mm-hmm. which we see in three, so Parabellum, and he builds a gun that doesn't work out of the pieces from four others just, just in time before the guys come through the door to literally fire one bullet. And then they go to the knife room, which I still think yeah. is my favorite, yeah. is still my favorite moment from that entire franchise. It's genius. It's genius. And brutal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That axe at the end that finishes off that guy that's sitting there. Yeah. (laughs) So let's get him in this art room and ornately decorated with lots of Asian masterpieces of armor and and relics. And And weapons, yeah. Beautiful stained glass that he can hide behind. Mm. God, who could ask for more? If we're going to kill a bunch of stormtroopers, that's what the Chitari, or what'd you call them? The Chi? The the Chidi? The the Chitari are. Um, Who cares, right? They're just grave-suited fodder. Yeah. Man, let's do it in the most cool way possible. And the nunchuck thing, there's 20 guys in the room with guns, yeah. Jesse. How are, you don't have a prayer yeah. unless you're John Wick. 
and it everything that time so perfectly like I, I, so I, perfectly. I almost want to say John Wick has like a bit of spidey sense because he knows he needs to go get that guy that's kind of getting up but he's got to get this guy first then I'll whack that guy then I'll come to the killing blow on this guy and then I'll pick up the gun and shoot that guy I watched that <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I watched that specifically last yeah. night to see okay he just kicked that guy in the face it's obviously three on one mm-hmm. That dude over there, he just blasted in the ball. So he's, they do a great job of that guy that just got blasted in the face or the balls recovering in normal time. And then not like, okay, I'm going to wait. Because he would wait, you just jump on John Wick. Mm -hmm. They time it in a way that he's beating up the other guy after he blasted this dude in the face. Mm -hmm. And that guy's moving back at a pace that I would expect. And then he does away with this. That is choreographed brilliance yeah yeah i gotta shout out uh steleski because that's his bread and butter right i mean he was like one of the original fight choreographers on the original matrix films uh and he's directed all four of these films like this guy knows how to stage an action piece and you mentioned the Bourne films you know i like those spy espionage but the camera is so still and fluid in these films. Yeah. You get to see yeah. and digest everything instead of like almost having to puke in the porn film. And I love those movies, but like, like I don't need that in every action film, the Michael Bay shaky cam. Right. It's so still and fluid and so natural. And I love that we do a several long takes and we let to see it play out almost like a dance. This seems masterful. And then, and then, and then Kane walks in, right. And we're like, Oh God, this blind guy. And before that, okay. He's back in the kitchen He's get the, these sumo guys come out. We got to kill these guys, and then he puts up these apparatuses around the kitchen. And I'm like, "What is that? C4? Is that a grenade?" And no, they're just sound sensors. So when someone walks past it, uh, it chimes, and he knows the guy walked past it, and he knows where to shoot. Yeah, genius, awesome. genius. It's so good. Yes. And so then when he, him and Wick meet up, and it's like, "Hey, Kane, been a long time. The respect, the the uh, you know, the loyalty there." I'm not just going to come up and stab you in the background. I'm just going to come up and shoot you in the face. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but then we're going. And (laughs) these guys go hard, man. Yeah. And then Mr. Nobody shows up. This guy. Kana kind of has Wick dead to rights if it's not for for Mr. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that character for just a minute. Yeah. What did you think about introducing the bounty hunter that singular purpose is to drive up the price tag on Wick's head so that he can cash it in? What do you think about that? I think that's a good idea. I what too. I wanted a little bit more was the why from him. Mm-hmm. And not I, casting Darius Rucker. Yeah. <laughs> why isn't that why isn't that Idris Alba? Yeah. He was busy. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um not a deal breaker for me, but no, I, I know. I it's wanted not. to know if maybe because everyone's just so interconnected that like Maybe the, like him and Halle Berry are together, like, and you know maybe something went weird there, and like there there's at least motivation for driving the price up. Mm-hmm. We never we don't really ever get that. Yeah. Uh, instead, he keeps bringing it up until it's right. Then I'm going to go after you, and he doesn't go after him until it's like thirty six, thirty eight mil, right? Yeah. But he's got a dog. He's got a German Shepherd in tow there. But he's I guess his strength. I mean, he I think he's okay with fisty cuffs. He gets to use the dog, which is a great uh, ally to have. Uh, go for the nuts, dude. He's chomping on dude, the, the the Berlin guy. Uh, when we get to that, just chomping on nuts left and right. Yeah, expert marksman. I think is his his trait. Maybe even more than Wick. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think he's using some sort of like high powered assault rifle. Uh, bit of a like like sniper rifle, like a marksman rifle. But he's really good with it. And he saves his ass a couple times, right? Does and has the opportunity a couple times to do in Wick after rave fight. Wick's just walking there, 
beat to hell, right? Mm-hmm. He's got him cleaning his sights, and he decides not to. Yeah, I think I want a little bit more out of this character in terms of backstory and motivation. But I love the I love what it presents here is this kind of weird rogue bounty hunter. Yeah, that's interesting. And then what, what's his penance? Did he, like Bill Skarsgård stabs him in the hand, and he's got to rip his hand through that. If <laughs> do it, the, do it. Do, it which way ever you do it shows me how invested you are. I'm not going to be able to do either, by the way. So I'm I'm getting killed right there. Move your hand through the knife, or remove the knife from your hand, and mm. he chooses to drag the knife through his hand from back to like God, middle you, of palm to so much fingertips. Think, and my hands sweat a lot. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of how much that would burn on top of just I'm bleeding everywhere. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, though. I thought that that Mr. Nobody was an interesting character. I need a little bit more on where he's coming from. Just this mercenary that's on the periphery of this world that somehow has communication and understands what the bounty is and able to to talk to the Marquis de Grammont. Uh, you, look, I mean, we can stretch the envelope of believability a lot in John Wick, mm-hmm. but they've done a good job in this series of giving me reasons to know why that person's there he sort of shows up kind of unannounced with not a whole lot of backstory, not a deal breaker at all. And he's a good character. Yeah. Uh, I wish it had been cast a little bit differently. And I, you know, I brought up Idris Elba because I always bring up Idris Elba because I love him. He's great. Yeah. But um, also not a deal breaker. What ends up happening and where that really starts to work for me between the two of them is the amount of times that Mr. Nobody passes on wick in order to get the bounty to a level he wants is reciprocated in what I think is the best action sequence in this film, and that's in that hotel the abandoned room. house. Oh my god! And you you brought up that Metal Gear Solid above um, angle, bird's eye view, what? a POV what? above walking like you're literally looking at the blueprint yeah. of the interior, watching them fight through it, and you can see who's coming from all the different directions and doors as we're focusing on Wick in the middle of whatever room is center in that. POV. That is absolute genius. That is the coolest action sequence, ready, I've ever seen in an action movie. Yeah. Number one, awesome. to shoot it that artistically, genius to that. Yeah. In a, in a finale that's going to have a lot of really cool stuff in it, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Ugh. Now, some, now a question. It's going to take us down a bit of a rabbit hole, Matt. I've been waiting to ask you this because there is a bit of a fault in this film and I, I know especially watching all three of them getting to four uh so you know Akira and uh, Koji you know they're he's been wounded or she's been wounded and he's trying to get her out of there and Kane they come face to face and he he does him in right mm-hmm. and so obviously she's distraught takes off and is like oh, I'm gonna get you Kane like so help me God her and Wick end up on this bullet train and escape out of Osaka. And she's pretty pissed at him, right? She's mm-hmm. like, because you decided to come here, I've lost my dad and lost our continental, right? And there is, I got to give Keanu credit, there is some solemnness to, you know, how he takes in that information. But four films in, I need a little bit more. I need to turn the dial on Wick a little bit more on terms of why he keeps doing what he does. I need to see a little bit of remorse out of this guy. And especially, you know, we're going to go after this to New York and Sharon's, uh, you know, grave, this mausoleum. Have a scene here for me. I'll, I'll, I'll just be, I'll be frank and upfront. I'm going to give this film a single barrel rating. I loved this thing. I, I loved watching it. 
But to me, John Wick's a little dull characterization wise in terms of his arc of like changing of like, man, my violence has had supreme consequences on the people in my path. Sharon's death is his fault as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Koji's death is his fault as well. And it's because he doesn't refuse to either submit or give up. And therein, I think, lies the conflict of, well, he doesn't want to do that because that means death. But is death the might be the only answer for him unless he's gonna just mow through everybody. But and it's not Keanu's fault. I, I I'm gonna fault the writing just a little bit. I think we could give him a couple moments of like Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? These deaths are on my head, this blood is on my hand, no more after tonight. I end this tonight. And we don't really get that, you know, right? I mean, you, even those moments in the church with Kane and they're talking about his wife, we, we don't really go there the way I want him to go there, the way I want him to realize the consequences of all of this carnage. Now, the carnage is absolutely awesome. So, yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll walk that back and it presents, but what, what do you think about that? And, you know, first film, I'm okay with it. He's pissed. He's upset. He's simple. We understand his rage and the... the I've been wanting to tell you this, man. Think of this, Matt. If, if Wick didn't have to go fill up gas that very day... None of this happens. Damn it. At all. That's right. Right. Good point. Well, where do you feel on that here? Is this Wick getting a little too, you know, not to Keanu's fault uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, to his acting? Is he getting a little one-dimensional here in terms of just his character? Everything else around him is so interesting. The high table, the 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 the, the Grammont, the all the different continentals, the globe trekking. I love the world building around him, but is Wick suffering a little bit from this? Boy, that's a good question. Yes. After 450 deaths through three and a half films, you can also make the case it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. But it should matter to that girl because he had a kinship with her father. Yeah. And there does seem to be a a vulnerability in John Wick when it comes to women, Mm -hmm. his wife. Mm -hmm. And this this young woman who now is, is fatherless should tug on his heartstrings a little bit. And here's the other thing too, Jesse, that might frustrate you even more. I'm going to kind of take your point and run with it. Okay. The movie's almost three hours long. You can't find me four minutes I was to do just, this? I was just going to say that. I was like, at 249, like... There, you can't find me four minutes to give him that moment of, fucking, what I mean? Something. What's it all for? At the grave, in the church, on this bullet train, somewhere around here, there's a scene that could be like, gosh, why am I still doing this? If I, even if he wants to get out, Kane's going to pull him back in. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Here's the thing that I want to bring up. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, I think. If you go back to, oh God, I don't even know what episode it was, but one of the shows we did, I brought up the example, and I've used it a few times since, of Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. Mm. So you just cut Rumors, greatest album of all time, and then you come out with Tusk, and people are like, Why'd what? you do that? <laughs> That's not really like what we were used to hearing from you. And I don't even say artistically it's a failure. Artistically, it's probably far more ambitious than Rumors was. But they didn't do Revolver. Mm-hmm. They didn't do the White Album. They didn't do in that same space. They decided, Fleetwood Mac decided, let's do something completely out of left field, but it's still us and reminiscent of us to where there's still shreds of us in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And... I think generally the album's kind of panned, and I don't even mean critically. I mean, in the library of them, I, I, 
I've never found a Fleetwood Mac fan that said that's their favorite, their sure, favorite album. Sure, yeah. By that same token, mm-hmm. if we get now the remorseful or the reflective John Wick, are we bitching about? Oh, since when did he become this softy? I don't milk think toast. No, dude, there's nothing milk toast I, about a guy, dude. <laughs> Killing as many people as he does in this film. Come on, man. I think, and I think they have more levity. And, you know, like, I'll call out, you know, my favorite franchise of all time, the James Bond franchise. Yeah. You know, Bond, Roger Moore, Sean Connery Bond later years, I mean, he gets a little one dimensional himself, too. I mean, he beds women, he goes on these missions, yeah. he succeeds, yeah. he saves the day. Then when they kind of got into the Craig stuff, they kind of got to tap into a little bit of what makes this guy tick. And, you know, he's fallible with love. He is, you know, not perfect. He is going to make these mistakes. He is going to, like, fall into these. And I think it's okay to dive into that with with what they've established with Wick. I think I would welcome it at this point. I think it would maybe flesh out his character more. And maybe I'll get that more with that prequel that I'm pitching, right? But uh, it would I think it would have made this film even better. And well, it's already really watchable and hmm. good, but... Th- I love where you're at. That's a great criticism. I want to ask you a question, though, that's off... Yeah. For just a second, yeah. is Vesper Lynn the second most important character in all of the band Bond franchise for you? Then, oh yeah, wow, <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, okay, back to the John Wick thing because mm-hmm. I think the way you put it, I, I think I might agree with you. Sure, that's a franchise you're much more familiar with than me, but sure, I've seen a bunch too. Okay. No, 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 Vesper's so important to the development of that character. She really is, isn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah, that's why Casino Royale is the, my, my favorite, favorite Bond, Bond film. film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In unison. Dude, you owe me some whiskey. <laughs> hey, there you go. Here Look at that. There Done. Go. There we go. Okay. Uh, closing thought on this. Yeah. Yes. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be, since you've already given, well, I'll save my rating. So there's yeah. something to be discovered later and sure. people continue to listen. to. This no, they got to listen to how we're going to dissect these next crazy bits of this film coming on. Cause it's wild, but I see where you're going. A moment of reflection as he's watching this girl who is now fatherless and bleeding out and it's really nothing other than the good grace that they gave him a place to crash and hang out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, in 250, 250, 249, 250. I'm not asking for you him. You got plenty of time to do it. I'm not asking for him to walk up to her and they hold each other and cry, but like say something of just like. No, he does that with like, he, th- he looks at her. We see him looking at her. You yeah. can tell he's hurting for her. Mm-hmm. And then he has that conversation with Winston. Cause I think Winston is serving as, the wise sage sacrificial scapegoat essentially in this film. Mm -hmm. He has that conversation with, or Winston poses John, Mm -hmm. when does it end? Yeah. When have you acquired enough vengeance to quell the demons of your wife's demise? Mm -hmm. When, and then John can say when they stop coming and then, you know, we or and then he doubles down on, I can't get out because I know the world better and they're going to keep coming and I kill the Marquis de Grommel or until I get to the high table or you get John just says, not until I go completely off the grid, which then leads us into the end of the film where mm-hmm. maybe this gives him a chance to be off the grid. Sure. Yeah. So maybe coming, but I I'm with you, dude. I think that's a very, very valid point you've made. And, and I'll tell you in a Marvel film, man, this would be a huge red flag for us, right? Mm-hmm. We would be really taking them to task. And in here it's still at the end of the day, it's something I want, but the film still, and I credit still uh, Stileski is he's firing on all cylinders and still choreographing and putting together a film that is so watchable and intricately designed that it is a, re- uh, a bit of a, a grievance for me, but it doesn't kill this film at all. Yeah. Cause yeah, we're about to, we, we go to New York. We have that conversation there of, 
you know, you know, Sharon's dead. What can I do? You know, you can challenge him to a duel. You know, a new facet to this world of like, you can challenge a member of the high table and he'll have to fight in a duel with you. How do you like that, John? Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you need to get this is where it gets back weird. into a family. Right. And so I don't have a family. So then he's off to Berlin to the Ruska Roma crime syndicate. Um, again, another story I would love to see um, that he yeah. severed ties with years ago. And I guess this girl is was adopted a, some, a surrogate sister of his or something. She tore his ticket. <clears throat> yeah. So that's his way back in. If he can get, you know, on the good graces of her and get rebranded, which we got to talk about how crazy that scene is. Too. You mean that actually re- you really, you really Lit- do mean rebranded. Literally. Yeah. Right. Uh, he can have the his his ticket to challenge Bill Skarsgård in a duel to end this thing once and for all, right? Yep. Sign me up. This sounds great. And I love when Winston goes to Bill Skarsgård and presents it to them. They're like, hey, you haven't read article of the High Tables Manual. This is legal and we can do it. And I just love that there's these, these guys that could just pull a gun out and just shoot each other and live with the consequences or just like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take that information and... I'll see him as duel and I'll raise him this. Add another couple mil on that contract over there, right? Yeah. I, I, I love that. It's just another part of the strength of this film is we're introducing new elements of, and I like how finesse and like high, what's the word I'm looking for? High class they feel? Like mm-hmm. what, what's this class? A, du- a duel feels so formal and classy, right? Yeah. Even though we're just headshotting everyone left and right, I, I'm on board to see where, where this goes. But we got to get back in first, right? Right. So, what is this? Uh, let me let me get let me get her name here. Uh, Risa? Uh, is it Risa? Yeah. Bear with me one second. Katya. Yeah. Yeah. His adoptive sister. Uh, she wants him to go take care of this guy, Killa. Uh, because yeah, she, uh, he killed her father at one point in, in, in the past. And you, if you can bring me proof, bring me his head, bring, bring something that you killed him. I'll let you back in. Right. So oh, John's like, okay, a task. Right. And I like that. I, I do like that. You know, in order to cross X, we have to do Y. Right. Mm-hmm. So here we go to Killa's rave museum bar, wherever the heck we are. Gambling here. hall. Gambling hall, and we get this guy who's it's actually a guy in in a prosthetic fat suit. I think this guy's like an MMA fighter or something. If I I, I read that right, hmm. it's not what this guy looks like. This guy's like just he's in a bunch of makeup. Great villain here, man. This guy may as well be Winston Fisk or the Penguin, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna play cards. We're gonna play some poker. And here comes Kane. Here comes Mister Nobody. And we're all here at the table, and we all want Wick. You know, Wick's at such a disadvantage here, but he needs that guy. Yeah. What do you think of this? You know, it's it's very different. We're sitting at the table. We're drawing cards. This guy, of course, cheats, and he has five of a kind, which I was like, is that a hand that I forgot about? <laughs> what I love about it is Kane and Mr. Nobody show up, too. So is this Katya? making a plan with Mr. Nobody to help cash in on that bounty. Interesting. And we hadn't seen Kane in a while, so it was nice to be reminded that he was still a player in this because I had forgotten about Kane until he showed up at this table to... Yeah. In between then, they went to Bill Skarsgård and was like, okay, you want to kill Wick? Yeah, remove your hand from that knife, mm-hmm. and then here's your price. 
There's a lot of eyes on John Wick. There's no hiding. If they can find you in the middle of whatever club this is and get two people at the seat at the same table that you are as you attempt to assassinate this guy to get back into a family so that you can kill the Marquis de Grummel, you're starting to see how far the tentacles of the Marquis de Grummel and the yeah. high table they reach, reach. They reach everywhere, yeah. And they can get you in here. Going back to what we brought up now the third time, is that guy in line behind you part mm-hmm. of it? Yes, he mm-hmm. is. He always is. So this guy that's dealing these cards turns over that fifth card and five card draw, which he doesn't even, it's just the five he's dealt. He doesn't even, have new, he doesn't even ask for new cards. Yeah. Five of kind, which is not a hand. Yeah, obviously. I was like, what? <laughs> and you realize this guy's bad. But, you know, the thing that cued me off that he wasn't going to make it, which, of course, he wasn't going to make it because there's a lot more battles for Wick to fight was his gold teeth. Yeah, there's an hour and a half left of this film. <laughs> and I knew, oh, man, he's going to take his teeth. But Grab one of those, yeah. He is sweaty and in this purple suit yeah. and just as slimy as you can get. Mm-hmm. And so when all hell breaks loose at the card table and everybody's shooting up everybody, I was as interested in what Mr. Nobody and Kane were going to do as what Wick was going to do. Because what their play is, well, let's that, shoot him, let's yeah. shoot Wick, yeah, and then we win, and then we just get these guys, and then we get to collect, right? If Killa or one of those other guys kills Wick, they don't collect the bounty. I don't know what Kane does other than he doesn't get the thrill of... Probably the honor of killing his friend. And I think that does matter to him quite a bit mm-hmm. in this. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. I guess. Yeah. And you get kind of a three on one with the marksman, the blind man and the Baba Yaga. Yeah. I thought Wick was going to kill him with that playing card. I, I when, did too. When he grabbed him and slit his throat. I was like, Oh my gosh. But it's just like, it's just a scratch. But I was like, well, what a new way to kill someone in this franchise, right? But no, we got to get to the rave battle. And I, I just love this. I just love how oblivious the people of Berlin are. <laughs> the ravers it, are. Dude, they're on something here to ignore this carnage. Yeah. Dude, people are getting shot in the head left and right in this wet rave bar. Yeah. They're getting axes thrown at their heads. and They're just going on dancing like it's nobody's business. I, I love it. I love it at the end of the day. And, yeah. and these guys go at it. He's kind of a little tough adversary. He's a little tough boss battle, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to call our video game, which mm-hmm. I definitely noticed more than the other films that men that were to live in video game territory in this film. Yeah, for this movie, that's perfect. Though. In a good way, though. In a good yeah. in a good way. Yeah. So this is just another boss along the way. And he just throws him over some railing and the guy lands like right on top of his head, breaks his neck. Mm-hmm. So Wick goes and like punches his gold tooth out. Love it. It's a great sequence. I love it. I love the music. I just like how exciting it is. And he goes and returns the tooth to Katya. Gets a new ticket. Okay, here here we go here. We can't, you know, okay, you're back in the family. Can't you give me like a sticker that I put on my jacket like when I go vote that I <laughs> voted? No, these people are hardcore. We're going to smelt the pot. And you're going to brand your arm with our seal on your flesh? Dude, man, I, I, I couldn't do any of this stuff. Well, as hard as it was to watch him do it, she goes through the same process too. And I'm thinking to myself, man. How many times have you done that? Yeah. The familial ties run so deep. And once you're in, okay, I've told you often that I love the loyalty element in mafia families. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't cross the family or try to get too ambitious and take too much money from the capos or the Don you're probably good. 
boy, this puts that to shame. Because if you're willing to lay your flesh on the line so that he can have his ticket reattached. Dude, how many times has he been branded in this series, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, how many scars does that woman have on her body? Because, or if this is the first time, how many lengths has she gone to? Or how many people will she go to that length for? And if the answer is only Wick, then that speaks to the the legacy and the history of the Baba Yaga. You'll you recognize uh, Katya. She played uh, Tonks, uh, uh, Professor Lupin's mm-hmm. wife, girlfriend in the Harry Potter franchise. Yes. Yeah. She was the one with the purple hair. Yeah. Brutal. I couldn't, could you, could you live in this world? Dude? I'm not just branding my forearm just to like go, but get in a duel. That's also going to kill me. Right. Well, at this point, not movie exhaustion, but I'm starting to suffer from t- quest exhaustion. Yeah. Poor John wick. This is just to get back into the good graces so that then he can go, go take on the Marquis de Gramont. I gotta tell you, I love I love I love this scene. So he has his ticket, right? His burned arm. Yeah. Uh and they go set this meeting in front of the like the steps of whatever building in front of the Eiffel Tower with this glass table and the nicest playing cards I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And I love how they choose how they're gonna do the duel. Mm -hmm. They get to pick the weapon, the location. And when, based on who draws the highest number of card. Yep. Dude, that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and so what is it? Okay, I got to remember. It's pistols. Mm-hmm. It's at... Sunrise. It's at sunrise. And then the location of uh, the, the church. The Sacre uh, uh, Coyer, which is a Roman Catholic uh, church uh, in, Par- in Paris, France. So what I love about it, too, is... I'd love to go see it in real life. Yeah, when Clancy Brown sets up the playing cards in front of them. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Again, so you were getting a snapshot into that world that they're all too familiar with that has these very, very strict formal rules. And here we go. Winning or losing, I'm not sure matters and what little domino piece you turn over. Mm -hmm. But what I love about it is we're going to start at 30 paces. We're talking old school steps of the Senate building kind of Wild West, right? Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. 30 paces, you'll each get one shot. And then if we miss, we're going to go to 20 paces. And so when that happens, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, these guys are going to be one pace away from each other to do each other in. Do you think Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr were turning over cars to determine when they're going to do Probably not quite this formal, but yeah, something along those <laughs> oh, lines. Oh man, right? dude, the, just the, the thing of a duel, I think that's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Um Ridley Scott's the last duel that, that came out of last year. You know, that was that was kind of an interesting way of why yeah. those men were dueling, right? Yeah. Uh, did you like that film? It was pretty good. I did too. I, no, that wasn't interesting because, you know, Ridley Scott had that and how Suguchi came out like a month apart. And I'm like, dude, this guy is just turning out films. He's like 83. Yeah. Last duel was... Gucci. Last duel was way better than Gucci. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did. I did. Li- I didn't like everyone's weird facial hair in that film. Ben Affleck's blonde chin beard and terrible haircuts. <laughs> Matt Damon's mullet, dude. He looked like he was going to a NASCAR race in that film. Yes, he did. Anyway, I, I like what a duel presents as a, a device in a film. So. Oh God, in film, it's perfect because yeah. it's who's going to draw first, it's mm-hmm. who's quicker, who's more accurate, and there's no quick, easy death on that unless you catch it between the eyes, which, of course, they wouldn't do mm-hmm. unless it's good to bad. No, you're would. getting it in the gut and bleeding out in the <sighs> infirmary for days. Uh-huh. So we know the stakes. So what we're doing, we're going to go to church. Bleeding out in the infirmary for days, especially if Clancy Brown is overseeing it, right? Yeah. That's Shawshank, too. Yep. 
we go to church. We're trying to make some peace. Uh, again, another moment I think they could have like really expanded on. Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to some, have some remorse for this. But the, the, the history between him and Cain in that scene is what makes me interested in men. Like, what were these guys? These guys were like friends years ago. And I think maybe Cain lost his eyes in some incident on a assignment. Again, there's another story there that mm-hmm. is untold, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought this was fast. I looked this up before you came over. You know, the cohesion and the expanding of this universe and this world, there's a different writer for every one of these four films. So I guess they know the assignment, right? Because they're all doing an equally good job of kind of expanding it in a normal pace. Or Chad Strahelski is such an easy guy to work with that he can say, this is the vision that I need you to deliver on a piece of paper. This world has to work in this space. Um, everything that was frustrating about Game of Thrones for me mm. with how layered and complex and who the hell was in charge of what and the never-changing seasons and you know winter was coming forever, uh, John Wick succeeds in. And they have just as many obscure pieces as Game of Thrones did. This token that you can open up that's essentially a locket that has two blood stains on that means you have a blood oath. These gold pieces that you use to pay with. Um, this ticket that he has to have punched that seems to be above the tokens or the blood oath piece. That's all, that all could be relatively confusing, but when they're introduced on the screen, I'm like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. Even in number three in Parabellum, when he has that rosary in his hands and he's showing Angelica Houston, it that's the rosary that that family gave him upon some completion of task that said, now you're part of us, whatever that crime syndicate is that you named earlier. Mm -hmm. That's winning, man, because we don't ever get here. This means this, this means this, this means this. You just see it Mm -hmm. instead of are told it. Yeah. And for four writers to be able to carry that vision through, Mm -hmm. somebody's got their fingers on the pulse of what this world is. Well, I noticed it really early on in that first film when, uh, Michael Nyquist, uh, you know, before Wick is going to leave his house and set upon his path of vengeance, he pulls a, a like a journal out of a safe. He's got Wick's phone number. So like it's like this interconnected world of these assassins and these higher ups and these very mob mafia like of like, I'm going to give him a call and tell him, hey, my son was being a little dick and let's not start something that we don't need to be starting. And John Wick just hangs up the phone. Yep. It's on. <laughs> it's on, like Donkey Kong, right? I mean, it's just, it's so simple and then so effortless. And you're right. A lesson that more people need to know about is show us. Don't just dump it in word vomit to us yep. in exposition, which is, that was Ant-Man and the Wasp Kang. Yep. There was so much exposition just being told to us. And this film is like, here's a marker. What is that? Oh, we're, this is what it does. We're going to show you. And it's a part of the plot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm really on board with that, so... Yeah, uh, I guess I didn't know that all four of them were written by four different people. Well, like a collective, some people kind of jump from each one, but it's it's never the same, right? Huh. It's different. Like that's you would impressive. think it would be like two guys, all four, right? Yeah, not at all. So that, that's odd. Mm. Lawrence Fishburne gives him a new suit, a new ballistic suit, and a new gun, which is pretty cool. And uh, we got we're gonna get on the boat and we're gonna drive to as far as we can take you. <laughs> And then you got to walk the rest of the way to your uh, dual location. But then Bill Skarsgård's like, hey, wait a minute. 
I'm not going to have to duel if the guy's dead already. So I'm increasing that bounty to 26 million across. Don't you love that the call center is at the top of the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And these people, they get on the horn. The contract's going out. Increase. Again, I don't think it's ever gone away. It's still Mm. the tippy top from like 10 to 26 million now. And then we're just, I'm not even going to call it ripoff because it's not straight homage. We're doing the Warriors now. Mm-hmm. And it's the lips at the microphone. We're literally playing Nowhere to Run from that film. Yeah. And we're putting the call out there that if you stop this guy before he gets there, you get 26 mil clean cash. So the stakes are just against John Wick, dude. He's he's, he's taking guys out left and right on the street. And then when we get to, is that the Arc de Triomphe? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, what? I can barely drive around a roundabout without pissing someone off because it was their turn. Dude, John Wick's doing donuts in the roundabout, shooting guys left and right. What do you think about this little action bit? Because it's in the car. We get the dog in play at one point. Traffic doesn't stop, doesn't see this gunfight, apparently. Crazy. We're in crazy town right now. And this is one step on on like a three-step journey that we're about to take. Right, exactly. This is the first of the... Journey to the church. Yeah, the first leg. <laughs> so he's got to make it there by sundown because if he doesn't, then he's forfeit. So it makes sense for this villain, the Marquis de Grommel, to put as many obstacles in his way as possible. That way he doesn't have to face him and maybe he never makes Cowardice, the Cowardice, and- wimpish. Which is what villains do. Yeah, played so simple. Played very well by Bill Skarsgård. When they got there, I'm like, it's the roundabout. Are they going to have... Like, what set pieces can they use here? Are they just going to do oh, some Oh, we're going to use the cars. They use the cars. <laughs> In the most creative way possible, they flip them over, they go in and out the doors, they go over the top if you're the dog, mm. they get hit by about seven of them. It is another example of the setting that they fight in this film is equally as important as, as the, the way they fight. Yeah. And one of those could really easily be mailed in. Mm-hmm. None of them are. Let's put them in a church because, you know, the church would just be cool to watch someone fight in a church. Yeah, but what can we do in the church? Well, there's oil in there. There's incense. There's holy water. There's pews. How can we use that to make this fighting even cooler? They didn't do it in a church. They did it on the Champs de Lisée, the yeah. Arc de Triomphe. And in a busy cityscape in this middle of the street, it's it's genius. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, really, it's really great. Uh, Keanu Reeves, 58, by the way. Wow. His commitment to the, all this fighting and running and all the stuff that they're asking him to do in this and the the time commitment. Because, you know, I know we talked about this. He might get knocked for not being the best actor, right? Mm-hmm. No one can talk down on his worth ethic, right? Mm-mm. To commit and be the guy. <clears throat> I saw this. The, uh, is it Variety, Vanity Fair? Or it's one of the magazines. They have a YouTube channel where they do a cool thing where they have an actor watch scenes from their old films. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they had Joseph Gordon-Levitt on, and that was pretty cool. I'll have to send you that link. You would like that because he talks about Don John and uh, mm. 500 Days of Summer and Inception. Like, it's a re- it's really cool. But Willem Dafoe was on, and they put on a clip from Spider-Man No Way Home. It's when him and Peter are fighting in the apartment building. And I'd never heard an actor say it like this before. Willem Dafoe was like, he's like, I wanted to actually do the action sequences and the choreography because 
that kind of gave me buy-in and credence to do the dramatic work that the character also calls for. So if I wasn't doing that, I couldn't feel like I was doing the whole character. Oh, that's awesome. I thought that was an interesting perspective to think of, you know, how you approach the acting component. And I think the same has to be said about Keanu. I mean, if he's actually doing all, I don't think he's doing the roll down the steps coming up in a bit. Mm -hmm. Because who would want to do that? But he's doing 95% of all of this. And I just got to hand it to him. Like, it's it's so well put together. Well, how physically exhausting. Very exhausting. Every one of those fight sequences is five to ten minutes long. Mm -hmm. I know they're not all done in one take because no one has that kind of energy. Yeah. But for him to be all in on the John Wick character and experience the exhaustion that continually happens as he gets beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, moving to the penultimate showdown, you almost wonder if that's a little less acting by Keanu and a little more just toll of the shoot on Keanu. Yeah. Even if you cut, let's say this, this arc to triumph scene up, let's say you cut that into a four day shoot. You're not going to get all of that choreography done right on the first time. Mm -hmm. Multiple takes, multiple camera angles, because that's how you see it in the celluloid. So it has to be done that way. He has to be exhausted. Mm -hmm. Brother at 58. Yeah. Your body's not enjoying that kind of work anymore. Yeah, that's a lot. Even at 38, Johnny Utah would have a hard time pulling that off, <laughs> yeah, much right. less yeah. John Wick. <laughs> yeah. He does it, though, and I'm going to give him I, I have, big kudos for I, that. I have to, especially this one, more than the, the, the other three, is really demanding a lot from him physically. And I love that they don't make John Wick agile. He is not agile. Oh, no, he is bruiser. Yeah, and, and he's kind of limping from set yeah. to set, right? Has a kind of bum knee when he runs, leans over himself. He's he. This is not an agile, free-flowing body. This is a body that has wear and tear on it. Mm. Yeah, and it, it feels like it. Let's get to the next one. It was the one that you yeah. shouted out as your favorite action bit of all time. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, so he ends up just trying to take solace in this abandoned house, kind of mansion, apartment building. I don't know where what it is exactly, but it's kind of dilapidated. It's kind of falling apart. And yeah, he is able to kind of sneak around for a bit, but then these guys come in. And he gets a hold of some sort of like shotgun firing like thermite rounds. Oh my that god, are like so cool! Dragon fire, sparking people up. And then we 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 do the the top above, mm-hmm. and then we're just kind of following him. And so obviously we're in a set, right? And I'm okay with kind of like letting that veil of realism drop because of how cool this visual looks. Of like again seeing oh that guy is coming this way, he's gonna and then he just like pops him with the shotgun there. And we do it twice. There's two two long takes of that, about five minutes long. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's really cool. And it's so so fun to watch it that way. Mm-hmm. You're watching the labyrinth and seeing the danger close in around him. Man, it just was genius to shoot that scene that way. And I thought a little bit about Creed three. Mm-hmm. We talked about the dream sequence yeah. and what a creative way that was to show that fight. Yeah. Even if they didn't go bird's eye view above, down on Metal Gear Solid like you were talking about and just shot it the way we've seen most of the action sequences, it still would have been it still amazing. It still would have worked. It was just another way to present it in, some, in something we haven't seen in the series before. But watching a guy get blasted with that flaming shotgun ammo through some drywall from one room to the next looks so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, th- that's my... Yeah, 
that that's my, f- I'm telling you, yeah. my favorite action sequence of all time ever. You're, you're tasting ever. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my, yeah. It's good stuff. Mm. And then we get, we do get a cool moment here between uh, Mr. Nobody because he's kind of coming up and he's already driven the price up to 40 mil, right? Mm-hmm. And so now he's on the hunt and the price is right for him. Again, I want to know why, but it's never told to us. And one of these goons, the goatee goons, is going to do in his German Shepherd, who's helped out Wick definitely a lot throughout this film. Mm-hmm. And Wick shoots this guy so he doesn't shoot the dog. And it's just kind of like this thing was like, this guy cares about four-legged beasts. Of course he's not going to let this guy shoot his dog, regardless if that guy's trying to kill him. Which is really important, I think, to understand the relationship between Wick and Kane. Mm-hmm. John Wick is a ruthless killer. But John Wick is a ruthless killer that somehow does it with some level of respect, loyalty, or scruples, might I say. Yeah. And the fact that, Mr. Nobody, I know you're coming out here to kill me, but it's still your dog. And I know about that because I had a dog too. I don't, yeah. There's a morality to him. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it seems to have won over Kane at some point. It seems to have won over all of the villains that have this aura of respect when they talk to him or mm-hmm. speak of him as the Baba Yaga. Yeah. And also with Mr. Nobody. Yeah. And Mr. Nobody's nothing but a cold-blooded, dollar-seeking assassin. Yeah. Total merc. Yeah. But, man, dare I say the hooker with the heart of gold or the assassin with the heart of gold? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. What it, we talk often about. See, that's a it's a character development moment that works for me in this instance. Yeah. When we talk about villains that decide to do something other that destroy the earth to rule over rubble or rehumanize them through some element and understand why they're doing it. This is a great flip to that. John Wick, who is killing all of these guys who want their blood, want his blood first. That dog still has some value. So I know Mr. Nobody, you're out here trying to shoot me because you want the money and you're a bad guy too, but I'm not going to go so far that I'll let them take your dog. And so what you get is what we talk about with the villains, a humanizing element. And I think for you, because you mentioned earlier, maybe really important from letting this movie get too far off the rails is it's humanizing and giving you a touch of vulnerability and maybe making Wick at least slightly pay some acknowledgement to, was it all worth it? Yeah. Or how far will I go? And I think there is something driving him in this instance, which is Winston's blood, right? If yeah. like if yeah. John doesn't get up to those steps, they're going to kill Winston as well, right? Mm-hmm. And and if he doesn't win the duel, they're if if John loses the duel, they're killing Winston, right? Yeah. So there there's some stakes here to to be played. Yeah, great scene. And so Mister Nobody kind of stops his path on Wick. That's kind of enough for him to like eh, maybe this guy ain't all that bad. Maybe the money isn't worth it. Again, I want to know why it's now not worth it, right? There's something there. By a lot of dogs for $38 million. And then we get to this third action bit, and oh, oh my God. Okay. 220 steps? 220, like, concrete steps to get to the top of this church so he can get there by sundown so he can do a sunrise duel. And then there's, like, I don't know, 40 people standing in his way on the way to these these stairs. Okay, I guess I'll start climbing up and I'll start shooting and fighting them. Oh, my God. And so he's dispatching with them left and right, left and right, and he's getting close, physically exhausted. And he's, did I fail to mention after he leaves the abandoned derelict thing that he jumps out of a third-story window and lands on top of a car? Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy's in pain. He's hurting. I don't think he's been, sh- eh, maybe I think he did take a bullet in one of these sequences. He's hurting, he's bleeding, he's fatigued, time's his enemy. 
He's still going through all these guys. And then I couldn't believe this. And if you wanted to find a video game trope in here, this is like ascending like the ladder, fighting all these bad guys. And then you get to the very top and then they knock you all the way down to the bottom. And you got to go do it again with less health and less ammunition to get to the top to fight the final boss. Dude, this film does it in, in, in with, with real people. They, they knock him down all the way to the bottom when he gets to the top. Jesse, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> Last night, the theater groaned. Yeah. I don't know how your viewing experience was, but they knocked him to the bottom again. And we were in a fairly full theater last night. Yeah. And the whole theater, oh, God. <laughs> like laughing in disbelief. Like, gotta, gotta go again. Exhausted for John Wick. I couldn't believe we were going to do the it. The whole theater. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I love those moments. Yeah. Like, I don't love the the... Guy in the front row on the horror thing that's like, don't go in the house, dumbass. Like, I don't fucking like that guy. Yeah. But like the whole theater, this like, and I felt myself lean back like this oh, collective exhaustion. Of- you just, yeah, you're going to have, you won't even be able to raise the gun. You're going to be so tired for that duel. And he's got to go again. Yeah. God, that is genius. But he's got an ally this time because Kane's like, we're going to go up together. And what a great duo they make the guy that i'm gonna have to duel because again bill skarsgård's too much of a pussy he's hired <laughs> kane to do his dueling for him yeah we'll go up together yep let's do it to that yeah so, okay. friendship so then we kill another 25 30 people going up the second time yeah it's just it's wild like I, it's so hard to describe it needs to be seen visually to understand the like the gravitas of these action bits but when he rolled down i was like oh he'll land on the first landing no, he tumbles all the way to the very bottom. All the way. And now he's got to go. Again, it's a video game. He's got half, half a health bar. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 bullets. <laughs> and he's got to go again to fight the final boss with that same amount of energy. How do you not love that? <laughs> I, I, I'm on board. So yeah. finally we get to the duel, right? Yeah. He, he get, they cut through all these guys. We get to the duel. He's in horrible shape at this point. And it's just, again, the formality of it all. The guns are in these boxes. They must be 400 years old. They walk their paces. They take their jackets off. They're in their, like, white shirts. 30 paces and go, and then they, they shoot, and then they, they both kind of miss, right? Mm-hmm. And it's at this point I'm like, ah, are they missing on purpose? They don't want to kill each other now. Yeah, These guys are good. 20 paces up, so now they're, like, really close, right? And they kind of miss again, and they, they kind of graze each other. Like, Grazing they shots. Graze my shoulder, right? And finally, we go a third time, and Kane shoots, hits Wick in the stomach. John doesn't shoot, though. We don't know that. We don't know that, or we forget that as an audience, right? Yeah. We just kind of see him shoot, and so he's kind of there and kind of starting to die, right? So Bill Skarsgård, the coward that he is, like, I'll finish him off. And so he gets up and... I can't remember. Was it Winston that reminds him John hasn't fired his bullet, so it's still technically his turn, and then they shoot him in the head? Blast him. Oh, man, it was great. <laughs> uh, location matters here, too, because the church, and I don't think sound-wise it really would do this, but there's the definite echo. Yeah. And through two rounds, it just sounds like, bam! Like, so when Kane shoots and Wick doesn't, that echo still gives you the cover mm-hmm. as an audience. To think that John Wick is shot to then when you realize he hasn't shot yet. Oh, shit. And you are like, yes, now you finally got this bastard dead rights. I'm surprised that the Marquis de Grumble doesn't try to cap Wick before, uh, but Wick's a better fighter. So, and like, truthfully, 
Wick would destroy that guy. That guy's a complete pussy. I don't know. And then Clancy Brown's there to lay the hammer down because if you dis- disobey a rule in this universe, yes, yeah. dude, you're, it's curtains for you. No, excommunicado. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And what a just ending. And then Kane walks up and kind of pats Wick on the shoulder and Wick gives him the you owe me one. He's like, I know. Mm-hmm. I owe you more than one. There's a, a fealty. Sure. Fealty between these two that's mm-hmm. friendship and... For all of the things that I never cared to see between Hawkeye and Black Widow about what happened in Bucharest or wherever the hell they mentioned, Romania. Budapest. Budapest, yeah. there you go. In Hungary. Mm-hmm. I do want to see the adventures of Kane and Wick I'm t- in th- your prequel. There's a story there? Yeah. Oh, many. An ally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Halle Berry's involved and the, the, Willem Dafoe's floating around there and John Leguizamo's souping up him a car. God, listen to all the people you common. Listen to the people you've mentioned. Yeah, it's so great. big, big players that know the legend, right? Yeah, so Chow Young Fat stealing blowfish on the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were, we wrap up, you know, and then it's at this point we're like, oh, maybe John's in kind of some bad shape, and so he's kind of bleeding out, and we're gonna leave, but then he just kind of goes and stoops on the steps and kind of falls over and gives Bridget Moynihan her singular appearance in this film and topples over. I think she's credited with an appearance in all films yeah. for very little work, right? Very little work. <laughs> Can I say something crazy about that yeah. for her? Yeah. I just was curious if she was going to be in this. So I looked it up Mm -hmm. and I looked up her filmography. So she's been on Blue Bloods for a long time. Yeah. When do you think Blue Bloods started? You're going to freak out. 2018? 12. 2012? 2012. How many episodes? It's like 13 seasons in. I'm going to look up how many episodes. Yeah. So I looked it up real quick. 276 episodes. Well, I guess... Bridget Moynihan gets the last laugh because her run on Blue Bloods lasted longer than Tom Brady's marriage to Giselle. So take that, goat. I have nothing against any of those people. Yeah, I I really don't either. So (laughs) to that. To that. To Blue Bloods? Have you ever watched a single one? I don't like television like that. I don't like just procedural procedural (laughs) one-offs. But I'm telling you, as an actor, you get yourself on a CSI or NCIS, dude, that's 12 years of steady work. For sure. Yeah. Law and Order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Isn't that stunning? Because, I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, Bridget Moynihan, she was not... Bullshit. Yeah. And then I looked it up. I wouldn't say it's remarkable, but she's had a good run, not just with Blue Blood. She's got a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. So there it is. So I'm thinking here, I'm like, oh, my God, are they, they going to kill him? Is, is, is he dying here mm-hmm. at the steps? And, dude, with the sun setting on this beautiful church, uh, may, maybe. Maybe. And then, you know, we kind of cut away. We're back in New York, and it's Winston and... Barry King. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne at, 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 the, at the grave here. And it's a John Wick headstone. And I'm like, oh, my God, it, he died. <laughs> loving husband, which is what he asked Winston to put on his headstone earlier. Yes, yeah, loving wife and loving husband. So he's buried right next to his wife. And we kind of give him a little bit of, you know, a little soliloquy, but not, not quite. And then we pull out and we cut to black. That's it. What do you think of that? I mean, I think I'm with you. Like, I mean, he's dead if it wants to be dead or if they want to make more, he's not dead. I mean, I think there's an easy way to get out of this, which is freedom from the yeah. grip of the high table, right? But a couple things that happen. The dog yeah. looks off in the distance. Yeah. So that kind of hints at the ground is rumbling as Superman is being buried. And there is supposedly... Did you just reference Batman versus Superman? I did. Oh, my God. There is an alternate ending that they shot as well. Uh, hasn't been released yet, but um, gets to the question that we kind of posed at the beginning, right? And that's what's next. 
what I don't know if you read the same thing I did. Yeah. Reeves said, we're going to give it a couple months to decompress. I need to do whatever I need to do. And then we're going to sit down over a couple beers. And if we come up with an idea on a bar nap, we'll have a movie. And if we don't, then we won't. You know, I think that sounds good. I mean, I, I heard him say that about like the last two films as well. It was yeah. just like sitting down and be like, we didn't think we would make a three and we did. We didn't think we'd make a four and we did. If the story's there, it's there. And I think that's a good approach to do. If you can find a unique way to keep expanding and tell an interesting story, then yeah, I'm down for more. But if this is truly the end and we killed the character off and this is how he goes out, I can't imagine going out any better than the gauntlet he has to go through. Sure. Yeah. I think this is a fitting end. And it was an end that I, I wondered. I was like, I think the only justifiable end, and this is sad to say for this character, the only piece he has is death. Yeah. And that's his way of life. And that's the profession. That's the world that they built around him. Well, I think there's hope that in, in life after death, mm-hmm. he'll be able to find her again. Yeah. Um, and maybe the dog too. So he can put those pieces back together. That's a reach because, you know, we'll never know. And I don't want to see John Wick from beyond the grave, but um, if you care about that character and I do care about that character, then he deserves some peace and he's not going to find it on this mortal plane. So I don't think not, not, not in this world, no, not in this assassin world. I don't think anyone can have peace. The one thing that's very different about this film compared to the first three though, for me, which makes me lean on the side. Like I don't, I, I don't think we're going to see another one. I think it's done. Mm. There weren't any new elements of the universe that hadn't been introduced introduced in this film. Mm. We didn't get any more tokens or markers. We got some references and we saw some policy, yeah. execution of policy, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get any more pieces that led into, huh, what is this Continental all about? There, there wasn't that furthering of the mythos. I mean, I guess the only thing that we had, we haven't seen all of the high table yet, that's right? That's all that's left. Yeah. And the guy that sits at the tippy top. Uh, so it's like a tease. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, again, like I said, if this is it, I think I'm okay with it. If there's more again, find a unique way to keep expanding it. Yeah. Sign me up for more. I think at one point, I think eventually it has to end. Right. Yeah. But not yet. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Do you want another one? I mean, I'll go see it. Maybe we'll, the word is, I think we might have to see how this prequel does. Yeah. And that might give us different avenues of storytelling in the John Wick cinematic universe. I can't believe I'm saying that. It stuns me that this franchise has found such a footing. When they did one, there was no way on earth they thought this was going to go the way that it did. But that one is so good that it not only brought... That's why I like it so much. The Keanu-sance. Yeah, it brought Keanu back. Yeah, But... It brought a lot of things back. That style of filmmaking, that, mm-hmm. that's Atomic Blonde, and there's yeah. a bunch of spinoffs that were... Atomic Blonde may as well be set in this same universe as well. I'm kind of surprised they never conjoined those two a little bit. That's David Letch, and he was the screenwriter on... Two? two on one and two. See? Or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there's he's like, got ties. There's like three guys involved, and then that's kind of like a, a loose whatever. But yeah, ba- Ballerina, I'm excited to see that. And again, they cast the right person in my book to lead that venture. So, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll, we'll return to this next year, but until then I already know yours, your favorite tasting note. You've said it multiple times. It's the dilapidated building shootout. Favorite action scene sequence ever, ever. Just, I looked at my wife and I'm like, that's freaking so cool. So cool. I think I'm going to have to... There's so many to pick from, ladies and gentlemen. I think I am going to have to pick the first Osaka Continental Art Gallery battle. 
Because that's the first time in the film that the film's like, okay, we're going hard and we're going to go hard for about 10 minutes now. Mm-hmm. And the nunchucks, the gunfight, and dude, Wick just keeps going and reloading and picking up new guns and rolling and doing different stuff and fighting. And I was just like, oh my, this is like, I can't believe it's still the quality of this is still just so good. Yeah. Four films in now. Yep. And that was uh, credit to Keanu. I was just like, I was like, he's committing. I mean, he's just he's the one rolling around wielding a nunchuck and hitting it on a guy's head. To like everything he does, he's that guy's all in. Yeah, God bless you. He's awesome. What's your oh my god moment? The unfortunate tumble down the stairs to the bottom the second time. <laughs> I le- leaned back in my chair, dropped my head back. Oh God, here we go again. I don't know if I can take this again, much yeah. less him. You're kind of a little physically and mentally exhausted. Exhausted, yes. Watching it, and yes. I, I felt that, and that's weird because I felt that in Parabellum, like the 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 game of death. Like, oh my god, I'm going to another level. I got to fight two more guys, and then I got to fight three guys, and I just keep going, and I haven't even reached the top yet. Like, I think that that wear down on me a little bit more for here because I think we're switching up the location and the the geography of it all. I was in on it. I was just like, well, I was like. He's got to go up again. Oh, oh, I'm kind of ready to watch it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it one more time. Uh, mine is the branding on the schmelting pot. I just, I couldn't believe in, in a world filled of so much bloodletting, that kind of stuff still just really bothers me. I was just like, there's not an easier way to, there's not a, co- a contract we can write. Can I just put my signature on something? No, let's brand my arm. Yeah brutal but i get it it's the world right it's it's it fits if it's this weird assassin high table world of contracts and executions yeah it's it somehow makes sense yes, who's the master distiller in john wick chapter four keanu reeves um we're moving into rarefied era of rocky territory here where i know that oh. character is so good that i'm only that character Dude, keanu's very stallone-esque isn't he so kind of gets shit upon for acting quality but whatnot but like i think i think the results speak for themselves it's, it's a different type of actor both of those guys i might have given it to him already in one of the other four iterations of this film and chad stahelski or strahelski or however you pronounce it is is right there in the running with it but 58 yeah. to carry off that physical workload mm-hmm. To be as solid as you do and if none of that matters to you that he gave the whole set rolexes because he's a solid dude. Keanu, you're my spirit animal. Ain't the first time that he's gifted people on a movie set stuff. Like, yeah. I, I think I said on the Matrix sequels, he gave all the effects, VFX team like a million each. That guy's an awesome man. Yeah. What a good man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great choice. Yeah, we didn't actually have the Master Distiller rating system when we did that original trilogy, so you didn't have the opportunity to give it to Mr. Oh, Reeves. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, but I got to give it to Chad Stileski. Uh His strength might only be action films. Like, I don't want to see this guy make the Banshees of Inishirin, but that might not be his cup of tea. But this guy knows a particular style of filmmaking, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the George Miller camp of action filmmakers, uh, yeah, he's he's made his mark. This fourth film really solidified it for me that this guy's in control of what these things look like, how they're staged, what they... And I think it's such a change of pace for you and me because I think you and I are physically and mentally exhausted from superhero flying, ants, shrinking, yeah. thermal dynamic, whatever the fucks. Yeah. 
it's really nice to see just two guys just wail on each other with their fists, right? Mm -hmm. And have it look good in camera Mm -hmm. with no VFX. There might be some VFX rain and some neon in the background, but it's two dudes going at it. And there's 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 uh, some skill to that, and he's the one in charge. So he's my master distiller. Love that. How are you going to rate and grade John Wick Chapter 4? We have rock gut, very bottom of the barrel, well, call, single barrel, and tippy top shelf. I know this bur- bourbon's floating around the top shelf for us, mm-hmm. but where's John Wick Chapter 4 for you? You already said single barrel. Do you want to finish off why? Yeah, let me, let me finish. Yeah, I, I just think it, it's just it's such so unique. There's action scenes in this I've never seen before. They keep expanding on the world in ways that is just blowing my mind. Uh, and it's just a solid little series. It's, you know, it's weird. You know, a trilogy is, you know, perfect, right? Three films, trilogy, that word. You kind of want it to end there. But a fourth film in, I don't even know what, a quadrilogy at that point. This is a great quadrilogy of films. They're all unique and solid in their own right. I still think I prefer the first one for its simplicity uh, and the origins of where we're getting to. But this is number two for me. It's it's better than Parabellum. It's better than part two. And those are good films. But this is my second favorite of the series. I had a great time watching this. Awesome. Yeah. Top shelf with a flaming shotgun bullet. Okay, I'm going to say something here. I thought about this a lot. Because yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be too hot takey. Mm-hmm. And when we walked out of the film last night, I really got quiet and thought about this. I think in this franchise, number one, number three, and number four will probably all make my top 25 films of all time. This Die Hard would previously hold this position. Yeah. It no longer holds it with this position with how much I loved this film. Yeah. This, I, knew, I knew you would love it. This yeah. is my favorite action film yeah. of all time. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. This one through four... Mm-hmm is in the middle of the ring standing eight count with Rocky. Yeah. That's how solid one through four is on this. I know a lot of people are, what about Harry Potter? I'm not going to argue, but that's not for me as much as these are. Yeah. This is, I think Mm -hmm. I would have to go through. This might be flirting with top 10 ever for me. I loved this movie. It's a great entry in this franchise. I loved it. I mean, in top 10, and that is thousands and thousands and thousands of possible participants. Mm -hmm. This is so solid. I kind of, as much as selfishly, I want number five. Yeah. I don't want number five because I just want them to leave it be. Yeah. Because it's so perfect. This is the, this is the footnote on it all. And that's saying, I don't entirely love 100% all the way the Mr. Nobody character. There's a lot of meat on the bone that they left there. Man, if they had hammered down that character, I'm telling you, this might have been best ever Mm -hmm. for me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know I love Point Break. Yeah. That's in there. Die Hard is in there. Yeah. And that revolving door of action films, I think this has either of those two beat. And how in the world, with all of the possible action hero participants there are, is Keanu two of the top three? Yeah. It's wild. I, that first Matrix film's in there for me. Uh, first Blood, uh, yeah, Mad Max a, Fury Road. Yeah. Like my cadre, Casino Royale, I'll throw that in there as well. That's almost a subgenre to itself, though, right? Like Bond, almost its own. Bond's its own thing. It's kind of spy, interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. This is. But I'm with you. Yeah. The only film that I think could match pound for pound what John Wick is offering is something I know you haven't seen. I would love to cover it on the podcast one of these days. There's two films made from Indonesia. The uh, it's the Raid and the Raid Two, mm. 
And it's this really frenetic, intense style of fighting that this film replicates really well. I think you would like both of those really well. One takes place single location in an apartment building. Sweet. And the second's more of like a kind of like a, a crime epic with some of the craziest fight scenes you'll ever see. So I'd, I'd love to present those to you and see see what you think of those. But those are the only ones that I can think of that could match what Wick's ferocity is at this point. Yeah. What a great... Great yeah. experience that was last night. Yeah, I, I knew I knew you would like it. I I knew when I left because I saw it before you, which is so 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 rare. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, Matt, Matt's gonna love this movie. <laughs> so I know he is. Hey, before you hit music out, let me tell you, we went and saw something else last night too. Hmm. We saw Dungeons and Dragons last night. Yeah. Okay, it's kind of sneakily terribly good. It's really funny. I've heard that. I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all. I don't want to cover it on the podcast or anything. Yeah. Here's the weirdest thing about that film. Curtain, quotes, curtain went up at at 6. What time the movie started? 6.40. Was it just trailers? Commercials, trailers, Ooh, bullshit man. for 40 minutes. Dude, they got to they gotta tone that down. I, I was tired by the, time, by the time the movie started. Yeah. I mean, like, ready, like, already, like, come on, come on, come on. 40 minutes of, and, and the problem, of stuff. The problem is that they're trailers that I've like already seen like five times already, right? Which gets to the second point I want to bring up right now without a whole lot of discussion because there's a chance this may be discussed or covered later on the show. Transformers Rise of the Beast. Two questions. Where in the timeline does this take place? And second, are you even remotely interested? Uh, I've seen all of the films. I burned them a couple of years mm-hmm. ago and I, I've seen a few of them in the theaters. Uh, I think this is definitely after all the Marky Mark stuff. So that would be part five, the last night. I thought Optimus was dead. I mean, the Allspark brings anyone back Dude, to life 50,000 times. He's died but... a couple times in those, in those films. Uh, 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 Rise of the Beast. So yeah, this is not Dinobots, but Beast war- Wars too. Like th- these are different types. Uh, I'm kind of out. You know who directed this film, though, is the guy that did Creed 2. <laughs> really? Yeah. I liked Bumblebee with Haley Steinfeld. I thought that was kind of an interesting 80s trek into the franchise because it wasn't so bogged down by the Michael Bay of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, man, that's not a franchise that is, like, really high on my list. Yeah, so either. I, I, that might be a miss for me. I'm sure I'll see it at some point down the line, but I'm not going to be there opening night. There's no way. Yeah, I don't think I will be either. Very few films I'll be there opening night for, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, But let's wrap this up with our nightcap. Alrighty, so to double down on your flight question of we pitched our films, I think a John Wick film is is done really well by their who's fighting him. I think Bill Skarsgård's really good in this film as well. Uh, Michael Nyquist uh, is a formidable opponent in that first film with Alfie Allen. Uh, there's some good antagonists in, in these. Mm-hmm. So Donnie Yen's kind of an antagonist in this film, and then he kind of becomes like an antihero. Even Common. Yeah, yeah Common as well. Who you can have him fight in your pitched part five entry? So I need to have two pretty strong participants in my high table. The 
ranking member in the high table that's going to be undone by the second. So I'm going to do two here. Okay. The ranking member in the high table is Scott Glenn. Mm. Nice. And then the nefarious baddie that works behind the scenes to undo the vote has to be, there's no question about this in my mind, Dolph Lundgren. And they're about the same age and physical capabilities right now where I buy that. Mm -hmm. And there is a very heavy Russian influence in all things John Wick. You have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Who better than him for me? Yeah, Scott Glenn, because Clint Eastwood was busy, so we got Mr. Glenn, right? <laughs> and then I have one other side little piece, if we're going to okay. go all the way back to our, our Matrix days. Okay. I do think another member of that table has to be Carrie Ann Moss. That'd be pretty cool. That's what I want. And even Hugo Hugo Weaving floating around one of these films would be kind of interesting, I've right? Gone, I went back and forth on that all morning long, and Dolph Lundgren won out. But yeah, you can have Hugo Weaving in yours. That's pretty good. Damn, don't you want that? Yeah, I would. I'd love to see that. Yeah, formidable strength versus aging agilism. I asked myself last night when um, I was thinking back about Parabellum why Monica Bellucci wasn't cast as mm. the Angelica Houston part. Yeah, uh, not that I have anything against Angelica Houston, but. If we're going back to, and this clearly plays on some of the Neo Matrix tropes that have worked so well, Lawrence Fishburne, everybody. Yeah. Why oh. don't we bring the Merovingian in and his wife? Yeah. And she, the, oh, she, the Merovingian. She'd be kind of perfect. Matt, do you ever want to cover the Matrix? No. The, the first one? Yeah, the first At one. At least the first one. Yeah, the first one. But man, two and three, that, those are like in some of my all time, like most disappointing film watches. Of all time. I didn't even bother with the fourth one. You saw it, though. Oh, man. Brutal. <laughs> Worse than two or three? Oh, yeah. About the same. Mm. Yeah, they lost. The Merovingian way. and his wife. Um, I was going to say something about the Matrix. Uh, you said Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, no. He has one of my favorite lines in part two when he goes to visit the Pigeon Man on his rooftop. Can you help me out, uh, Bowery King? And he goes, what's your bounty on you? And he's like, seven million Seven million dollars. Damn. It's Christmas time. We're going to Apple, Applebee's after this. <laughs> I was like, what a good line. That's a great line. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Excellent. I, 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 I love it. You know, I love Scott Glenn. You know, he's one of my favorite character actors of that generation. He never was quite the guy that like Clint Eastwood was, but he's like just as good. Yeah. Great choice. Thanks. Uh, since I'm going more prequel, so I guess we're going with a younger John Wick, and we're going to need a younger opponent. And I'm going with the guy of the hour right now. He's getting all the roles. And I, if he committed as much as he did to singing, I'd like to see what, what his fighting would look like. I'm going to go with Austin Butler from Just Played Elvis, right? Yeah. And the story, I mean, this has to be, I think, an important relationship. This has to be what sets John Wick on his path of vengeance moving forward. So it has to be a formidable opponent and has to have some stakes and consequences. Real. And if they were buds, that's great. If not, if he's just like the barrier in the way, he has to be a formidable foe for him mm. to get the title of Baba Yaga, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I do. We're going to see him pop up again in Dune Part 2. But, yeah, I think that'd be a pretty good role for him in a younger Keanu, like early 30s, early 20s, or late 20s. You know, when he walks through the the ballerina school and he sees those boys wrestling, mm -hmm. I absolutely see him and Austin Butler yeah. throwing hip tosses and suplexing each other on that mat. Yeah. And growing up through this very, very bloodthirsty world together. Yeah. That's great. I love that one. I hadn't thought about him. That's good. Yeah. 
Excellent. That's a wrap on John Wick Chapter 4. This little small batch review uh, for this, you know, got to cover our franchises whenever they have new releases. We'll we'll tackle Ballerina whenever that uh, releases sometime next year. Uh, But there's another new release coming out on the horizon. I think it comes out next week or the week after. And we're going to get into uh, an interesting little cask here. I'm just going to call it the Renfield cask uh, to let the cat out of the bag. And before we cover the new film, which... I think we're both excited for, but also nervous about. Have you been more excited or nervous for a film in a long time? No, but I saw a better trailer two nights ago that made me a little bit more hopeful than what I initially mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I saw a Red Band trailer for, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was That's the, the first or the second, but it's at least going to be a little hard, right? Right. And I think that'll help it. Where he kicks through that guy in the balcony and explodes his body. Yeah. Is that the one you saw? Yeah. 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 That's me pr- too. That's pretty good. Uh, now we got to see where the Nick Cage factor is at all. Uh, just I don't know. I'm I'm telling you, maybe you better let Cage Cage out, and that might make the movie a little bit better. But yeah. I'm I'm curious. Okay, so Renfield, he's the familiar. He's Dracula's familiar. He's the one doing all his dirty work while he's sleeping and doing everything. But he's been done interesting in a few different facets of this franchise. So we're gonna go back to basics. We're gonna go back to the original. And this is I did the math, Matt. Mm. This is gonna make it the oldest film we've ever covered on this podcast. Dracula. Nineteen thirty one, Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Todd Browning. Yeah, Todd. Ooh, do we get to talk about Browning for the first time. Mm-hmm. And who's playing uh uh Renfield in this? One Mr. Dwight Fry. Popular in Alex Cooper fandom. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is going to be great. I can't wait to talk about this. And then uh, I'll pitch you on the other film that I think can. We'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll do Dracula. We'll do Renfield because uh, that'll be a week out. And then uh, we'll do one more that features the titular character. But love that. We're spending some time in the Dracula verse. This will be a, this will be pretty fun. So I want to ask you. I love that. Yeah. I can't wait. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you out? I'm pretty out. You think so? I'm huh? kind of out on Russell Crowe, just to be honest yeah, with you. I, I, <laughs> his Zeus thing was uh, a bit much. Yeah. Mm. That's too bad. That could kind of be a good movie, right? Yeah, it seems like it's just so much promise and uh, such a high high potential for disaster. What happened to Russell Crowe, yeah. Jesse? Gladiators a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're making their full steam ahead. I can't believe this. I never thought I'd say these words. Full steam ahead on Gladiator 2, and he ain't involved in any capacity, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. But Ridley Scott is at age 86 or whatever the hell he is right now. I go. can't I can't believe the guy can still making movies. Go get him, buddy. There you go. Yeah. So you got that coming next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, check us out on uh, any of our social media platforms at Productions at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about John Wick Chapter 4. It has to be seen in the theaters. Mm-hmm. If you see it at home, that's going to be great. But I'm telling you, it was like as loud as it could possibly be. And I was okay with it. Um, but I got to get going. I uh, got to go uh, make my plea to the high table. But I'm telling you right now, I ain't burning my arm. And I'll, maybe I'll bring them a plate of food or like some tacos from one of my favorite taco places. I ain't branding myself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Do you know if there's a dentist open on Saturday or Sunday of Easter? Because I'm looking for a bright new pastel gold grill. There you go. All right. All right, Killa. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. 
And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. John Wick, Chapter 4, is property of Lionsgate, Summit Entertainment, Thunder Road Films, and 8711 Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I want you to find your peace, but a good death only comes after a good life. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend.